0: what I understand is there's there's really only two wills in the world, like my will and God's will. It's not like I give up my will. It's impossible to give up my will. You know, I was taught from my mentors was that it's really about me aligning my will with God's will.
1: Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. Hear ye that was the voice of Mr. Brian P that you heard at the beginning of this episode here, number one, nine, four, uno, nueve, uh, cuatro of Sober Speak, and you are going to be hearing so much more from that man in just a moment, but first things first, this episode that you have your ears bent to at this very moment is brought to you by Jason and Jared and Janice. Hey, wait a sec. Before I go on any further, that I believe would be considered an alliteration. Am I not right? Is that the word in English for it? When you have like three J's in a row, like she sells, she shells by the she short. Yeah, I can't do that very well, but isn't that a an alliteration? I, I could be wrong. But nonetheless... This episode is brought to you by Jason and Jared and Janice and Marcos and Bill and Anna and Ronnie and Sandra. Do you know what Jason and Jared and Janice and Marcos and Bill and Anna and Ronnie and Sandra did? Well, let me fill ya in. They went to our website, SoberSpeak.com. They clicked on the yellow Donate tab, the little PayPal tab, and they made a a contribution. Thank you so much, Jason and Jared and Janice and Marcos and Bill and Anna and Ronnie and Sandra. This episode is coming right out to you. I very much appreciate you guys. I John M., just another bozo on the bus, and by the way, thanks to my friend Jim for reminding me that I had not used that term in quite some time, so we kind of got that term back into the pod. Just another bozo on the bus will be the chairperson for this meeting between meetings, and I am truly, and I do mean that, honored and privileged to serve all of you listening in. So take a seat, if you will, around this virtual table and let's get started. No matter, folks, who you are or what your past looks like, you're welcome here. It's an open table and we're glad you are all here. Sometimes it gets to me a little bit when I talk about that. Don't know why, but Just did at that very moment. If you haven't joined us in our super secret Facebook group, go ahead and search. You don't put the word super in it, but just search in Facebook secret uh, sober speak Facebook group. I'm not sure exactly how you do it, but I know folks are finding us and click on the little allow me in invitation thingy bob they have here i really should know this better than how i'm explaining it right now <laughs> but i know a ton of people are finding it but anywhere we're out there you just click on a little tab and it says will you let me in or something like that and then i go in there and like i've said many times before the bar is very low uh, i come in there and i will admit you to the group, uh, we're we're uh, we'd be excited to have you in. If you're not following us on Instagram, it's at Sober Speak, all one word, and we would love to have you follow us on Instagram. Uh, Cassandra uh, puts out just tons of posts in there, and I'm just uh, eternally thankful for it. Um, but I am the one who monitors all of the direct messages, and uh, I am uh, I'm always so glad to hear from all of you. So what do I have going on today? I just got back from a dentist appointment and and you can hear the pause in my voice there as I start to explain this. I'm thinking, do I really want to put this out there on the airwaves? But here goes nothing. Anyway, I'm getting my teeth cleaned, right? And it was just teeth cleaning, right? N- nothing big. And the lady who is cleaning my teeth says to me that I have uh, quite a bit of saliva. And the doctor has told me that before. He says it's kind of good news, bad news when you have a lot of saliva. Apparently, it keeps your teeth uh, clean. I don't know how it does that. It uh, keeps them from having cavities and all that kind of stuff. I can't explain it to you in a scientific way. I just know this is what they're telling me, and hey, I'm buying it, all right? And so um, they both told me that, and I said to the uh, to the hygienist, I said to her, you know, I wish I had known about my extra active saliva glands when I was young and single, and I would have been using that as a pickup line in the bars. <laughs> I didn't know how exactly how she would react to that. I'm not even sure it makes a lot of sense, but anyway, I have all these images in my mind I'm not going to go over right now, but I can tell you that she, she thought it was funny, and so I just thought, uh, maybe I'll share that when I start recording in a few moments, but there you go. That's my dentist story from the day. Uh, Appreciate you guys listening. Now, if you are new to the program, please don't tune out immediately. (laughs) There is quality stuff that comes not from me, but with the guests I have on a consistent basis, (laughs) they put out some real quality stuff and... There are a lot of people, I'm sure, who just hit that fast-forward button right at the beginning of these episodes every week. My friend Casey W. tells me he does it just so they don't have to listen to my gibberish, and I completely understand. All right, let me move on from my extra-active... <laughs> <laughs> saliva glands. Oh, I know you're jealous. I know you're je- don't don't tell me that you're not. But nonetheless, all right. Do you, yes you, do you fancy yourself a writer? If you do, I would love to have some writing content from you for sober speak that we will put in the blog section. Now, I have put this request out uno Time uno tiempo in the pasto, and I got one person reply to me, and it was the lovely Rebecca T. In fact, she even signed her blog post Rebecca T, home group Friday Women in Recovery, Christchurch in A O T E A R O A New Zealand. I don't know how you pronounce that, I'm gonna go with A Tiara. But I'm probably way off. Nonetheless, Rebecca wrote a wonderful post. And what she did is, at my request, she took one of the episodes that really struck a chord with her. It was one of the Bill C. episodes. And she wrote a whole uh, blog post on it, using that particular material, and just basically summarizing what Bill had said during his guest appearance, uh, guest appearance on the Pod. And she did a great job, a fantastic job, and I'm so thankful that she did that. But then I kind of let it drop, and I didn't have anybody else really write back in that they wanted to do it. But if you're out there and you are a writer and you would like to consider you would like to uh, contribute some content as they call it to the Soberspeak website uh, I would love to to uh, talk to you about that. Just write me at J O H N at SoberSpeak.com. I think th- there's several different ways you could do this, but uh, uh, I would love to have that. And if you go out to the website right now, SoberSpeak.com, and you click on blog, you will see Rebecca T's post as an example out there so anybody out there who is willing to write some content and we can put it on our website uh it would be absolutely fantastic you can obviously sign your name to it um you i I can't put your image out there just because of what we do with sober speak here but i can put your name to it and if you want to put your home group or whatever you know you can do that as well so that's it. And I have a couple of pieces of listener feedback on the front end here because we have so much on the back end. I wanted to go ahead and uh, highlight a couple of different pieces on the front end. EJ DM'd me on the gram. And for those of you uncool folks who are joining for the first time, and you don't know what DM means, it is direct message. And if you don't know what the gram is... Well, of course, that's Instagram. I, because I have a podcast now and I'm cool, know these kind of things. Anyway, EJ writes in, she says, hi, John am thank you so much for your podcast, exclamation point. It's been so inspirational to me as someone who is seven days Sober. God bless you, EJ. I was wondering what happens and how I can access the back catalog of episodes. I've noticed that the ones before number 92 have disappeared from the website and Spotify. Thanks, Emily M. Oh, I guess she goes by both Emily M. and EJ. But nonetheless, um, so I got her all fixed up. Basically, I'm glad she noticed that because we, and there was something technical that happened here and the lovely Mrs. M. went in and fixed that and then all of a sudden, all of the episodes are available on the website, on Spotify and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And so we got her all fixed up and she wrote back, she says, thanks, John, I've really come to rely on Gary Kay's podcast as a daily ritual to listen to as my meeting between meetings. I couldn't thank you enough for providing this platform for people to share these stories. Well, God bless you. You are quite welcome, Emily. I I appreciate you writing in and thanks for giving us the heads up on that. Hannah writes in from Sweden and she also DMs me on the gram and she says, Hey, Johnny, I just started listening to your podcast on Spotify. And so far I'm loving it. Well, I hope that continues for you, Miss Hannah. She says, I am very new to sobriety and I am just starting to accept and understand the ways of AA and have a good long road ahead of me. But listening to your voice and the stories of your guests make me feel a lot less alone. I look forward to listening to more more in a big heart. She says, I am currently preparing for dry July. I didn't even know dry July was a thing until I heard from Hannah, but I'm glad it is. Anyway, she says, I'm currently preparing for dry July, which will be the longest period I have been sober since I was 18. I am now 31. I am confident your podcast will be a, will be a long to hold on to in the wild stream ahead. Uh, smiley face, thank you so much for your wonderful podcast and for bringing a smile to my face. Lots of love from Hannah from Sweden. Miss Hannah, your English is incredible you know okay so my Swedish consist consists of saying terms like Sweden. <laughs> That's pretty much where it stops. God bless you. I I know you're going to do wonderful in July. Keep me posted. I know the listeners would love to hear it as well. All right, now, everybody, on to the featured speaker of the week, the Samana. Do I have that right in Spanish? The Samana? I believe week is Samana, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, we are on to Brian P. Brian has been on the program before. And I've had a lot of you write in and say, hey, Brian was absolutely fantastic. We'd love to hear him talk about the steps. Uh, and after after we did steps one or two, I remember a Crystal in particular wrote in. There were some other people who wrote in. And uh, it just took me and Brian a while to get hooked up here and get back on the pod. And anyway, uh, Brian, Brian has been on the program before. Like I said, uh, there is a there's a podcast. It's called Bank Robber Turns Himself Into Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't have this right in front of me. I should have, but I don't. And we also did Brian P. Steps 1 and 2. And if you go to the website, actually... And you click on the podcast tab. There's a little search feature in there, and you can you can click on it, and it just and and if you put the term Brian in there, it'll bring up all of Brian uh, B R I A N. It'll bring up all of his episodes. But nonetheless, so we pick this thing up again at step three. We talk about the concept of God and how that differs with each individual what it means to make a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. A lot of people, anyway, everyone's got a different impression of what that actually means. We talk about Brian's extensive work in the prison system and what joy that has brought to him and others. Brian talks about the, the term, and, and I thought this was very interesting if you listen to it, life on life's terms. I've heard that before in meetings many times over, but he has a very interesting spin on that particular slogan. So without further ado, ladies and gents, please help me welcome Mr. Brian P. And we will have plenty oh listener feedback at the end of this ep. Enjoy. Okay, everybody, so today we are sitting here once again with Mr. Brian P. So, Brian P., why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself, and give your sobriety date, if you would,
0: please. Absolutely. John, nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, Yeah, my name is Brian P. Uh, I've been sober sober since March 6th of 1993. Live in Dallas and uh, very active. My home group so
1: we have had you glad you're here so we have had you on before uh for those of you you may recognize brian p's name and if you want to catch his first episode we did which was basically his story it was called let me think about this brian bank robber turns himself into alcoholics anonymous is what i believe it was about all your
0: escapades Yeah, that was your title pick.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was my title pick. And then the second one we did was uh, Brian P. on Steps 1 and 2. And that was at the beginning of this year. And I've been just busy with other guests, and I haven't had a chance to get you back on, but we finally were able to get some time set aside for both of us. I know you're a busy guy as well and uh, get you recorded again. I had a lot of people... Write in and ask uh, me if I could do some additional steps with you. So that's where we're going to continue this time.
0: Yeah, looking forward to it.
1: Okay, so last time we did steps one and two, as you know. Uh, so this time we were going to kind of pick it up with step three. And step three, my friend, as you know, is made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. So what are your first thoughts? What comes to mind for you, Brian?
0: Oh, that's interesting. Well, my first thoughts on it was when I was, you know, early sobriety going to the steps. Uh, You know, I had... didn't have a struggle with the first step. But I needed a lot of information to see if I was powerless and really what to find out that if I was outside of human power, which, uh, I figured out through the, all the readings and sponsorship that, yeah, I, I had to have, you know, like they say in the first part of the first step, you know, like on page 25, they say, you have two doors, continue doing what you're doing, you know, live into the bitter end or accept spiritual help. And at that, I just said, I have to accept spiritual help, which for my first one, step one and two was in there. Uh, And then step two for me was like, basically going and examining my, my prejudices against God and all the things that were blocking me. So once I got through that and I realized, okay, I need some power. I'm not sure what God is, but I'm willing to live by some principles. And so when I got to the step, my first thought is, what does this mean? You know, like, am I going to be a robot? Am I going to be like, am I not going to have some willpower? And so I, so I had to talk that through and figure that out. Um, But I was convinced that of my own power, I was not going to be able to stay sober and that my life was basically already destroyed. It was going to get worse. And I was going to hurt all the people around me.
1: Okay. So you said you were convinced at that time that you, uh, on your own volition—is that the word? Do I get that right? Volition, I believe that's right. Uh, of your own volition, you are not going to be able to stay sober by yourself.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, yeah. A,
1: a lot of people don't—they it, it, have a hard time getting there. I do. Do you remember actually having that thought process? As, I've tried this enough on my own. This is not working.
0: Oh yeah, well, I mean, first time I stayed, I was sober for a year not doing anything, right? Just going to a lot of meetings. And and then one day after a second meeting, I drank. But then I had to go back and examine all the times that I had extreme reasons not to drink, right? Like going back to prison conditions that would put me in a place I never wanted to go back to. And I could not not drink. So when I got there after my first step and I really got it inside of me, like really, really deep inside of me, uh, I I had two emotions. I was mad. And I was afraid and I was mad that my body processes liquor differently. And I'm an alcoholic. And And I was afraid that if the solution is a relationship with some power and I'm an agnostic at this time, said I was atheist, how is that going to possibly happen? So, yeah, it, it came out of through all the first. You know, there's 51 pages in the big book just around the first step. but I think it's super important because without that foundation. I would have never journeyed into seeking a relationship with my creator. It's not like I wanted that. I wasn't looking for that. I didn't want to live by spiritual principles. I was circumstances put me in a position where I had no choice. And so once I got through with this, you know, we agnostics and that. once I got through the other end, I realized that I never had a problem with God. I had a problem with the concept of God, you know, like what, what I, thought that was, which was nothing bad should ever happen. And when I got past that, uh, I was like convinced, like, I need some help. But I was scared, too, because I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know if it would work, but I was willing to move forward.
1: Okay, so you just brought up the concept of God, which actually comes up here for the first time in the third step. And I'm curious about that statement. You said, "I I didn't have... How did you put it? I I didn't have um, a problem with God. I just had a problem with this concept of God, of, of how I thought it should be, look, feel, whatever the case may be. So, talk to me a little of that, about that.
0: Well, yeah, it's a good question because, um, and I hear it a lot with the guys that I work with, you know, like, well, I, I always ask them, like, where are you at with God? Like, what's your, and well, I have, you know, either they don't believe or they have an issue with it. And what I found out was, I thought I was atheist, but I was not. I was agnostic. And then when I found out what my what I had built, and I don't know if it was put upon me in my childhood, if I just created it, but I had created a concept of a guy like sitting up in the clouds with a you know white robe and a thing, and then choosing who should die, who should live, who should. And so for me, the way I built that was: my brother died of cancer at seven years old. I was molested at ten. I was, I'm five foot one. Like what kind of God would do that? That seems unfair. (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm just saying, you know, I created this thing that was never going to allow me to build a relationship because it was a punishing evil, not evil, but you know, like a, not a loving. And so my sponsor was so kind. He knew that, you know, especially like being raped in prison and all the things that happened in that endeavor was like, what I found out is those were all the absence of God. Like, you know, not that God was not present there. People didn't invite him. So I started from a fresh point. He said, what kind of concept of God, if you're going to build a relationship with any God or higher power, give me what that would look like. And I said two words, loving and non-judgmental. And I started to examine that what I had before was God that didn't care, wasn't interested and in, you because know, we all have come in with different ideas. Like, why would a seven-year-old child get cancer? What if God is so powerful? Why would you let that happen? So I started to have to step back and say, I created some concept that I could never really build a relationship with. And so today, which is really going back 28 years where it started, is my concept of God is love, just love. And uh, I mean, not more complex than that
1: okay so let's break down the third step a little bit the first part of it made a decision when you think about made a decision and when you did make that decision and maybe going through the third step for the first time do you think that that made a decision is kind of a one point in time do you think it's a thing that we constantly go back to
0: yeah, I think it is a constant. I think in the beginning for me, it was a decision right then to, you know, I was convinced I needed power. So now I'm going to make a decision to turn my will and my life over to God. And, and what I understand is there's there's really only two wills in the world, like my will and God's will. Like it doesn't, you know, I'm, it's not like I give up my will. It's impossible to give up my will. And so my, you know, I was taught from my mentors was that it's really about me aligning my will with God's will. Um uh, Cause I still have to make decisions. There's still things self-will I think is the greatest gift that was given to us, you know, that we can make decisions. And, um, so when the third step prayer, there's no amen at the third step prayer, which is interesting, right? If you read the third step prayer in a big book, there's no amen. The next amen is the seventh step prayer. And some will say, and nobody really knows because you have to bring, like do a seance and bring Bill Wilson back and ask him. But so <laughs> there's a lot of ideas. And, I was taught that because there's no amen in the third step prayer, and there's one at the seventh step three through seven is one continuation of a prayer. But then I was in the prison system doing um, third step prayer with about 15 guys on our knees. And it hit me that maybe there's no amen in the third step prayer, because that's a continuation. That's every day. And then when you read later steps, it talks about every day, I must turn my you know will and life over to God. Um, which means, you know, it's a hard endeavor because we're human, right? So we make decisions and we're impulsive. Uh, but it was that starting point for me, like, okay, you know, I'm going to do this. Uh, and if I'm going to say one thing about that, because after you, and maybe this is a little early, but after you do the thirst of prayer, it states just because you did that prayer, if you don't do four through nine, because you know, the decision is like, I'm going to make a decision to cook uh, dinner tonight. I got a recipe and I'm going to do that. That's a decision, right? I'm going to cook it. But if I just sit in the decision, like, and I sit at my table and I don't go up and get the ingredients and, the, and all the and I don't follow the directions, there's, it's not going to happen, right? So, yeah, decision is like, okay, I'm finally going to do something. This is what I'm going to do. But the action to basically make that decision come to fruition is four through nine. I mean, that's what it says in the book. And, and that's what the experience is because, you
1: know. I'm going to take a little bit of a rabbit trail here in that you mentioned about. <laughs> you mentioned about um, in the prison systems and uh, doing your third step uh, on your knees with 15 other guys or so in the prison system. Can you, can you talk about your work that you have Done, you know, why you're drawn to that. I have a pretty good idea, but um, what have you done in the prison systems?
0: So, in Texas, it's a little different. So, I'll tell you, my main living in the state of Maine, um, I was about six years sober, five years when I got that. I started getting able to be, you know, and this is the way it was. I never want to go back into the prison. I wanted to go do jail work and maybe detoxes. But where I lived, in Maine, I was 20 minutes from about five penal institutions, which kind of I opened up to like, right, the maximum security, medium, the minimum, uh, uh, basically, this place that was a transitional place, and then uh, a couple other lower levels. And I got uh, a lovely woman who was the area corrections chair in Maine who stalked me because she heard my story. And uh, <laughs> finally, I filled out the form and then. They denied me. So it's like, it's kind of like, I don't want to go to your party. I just want to be invited to your party. That kind of thing. <laughs> uh, cause I don't, you know, that's just how my mind works. Uh, anyway, when they declined me, then I went on a writing campaign to the governor, all this stuff. And they, they accepted me finally. And when I went in, there was a gentleman named Don P and uh, Tom, I from North Carolina who told me, cause I was frustrated. They weren't, there was just a meeting and there was no act. There was nothing changing or transformational. Uh, Because they had their own meeting there. And then those two gentlemen told me on the same day that maybe you should start a meeting separate and take men to the steps and have a transformational spiritual awakening happening while they're incarcerated. And that process lasted for 15 years where I went in twice a week uh, to the maximum security and the minimum. And I took groups of men through the steps and uh, started off small three guys, two of them finished it. And they're still one just finished 22 years and he's an active member in Maine. He's been, he was my very first guy I did a fifth step with in there. And uh, he's like a dynamite member of Alcoholics Anonymous. and uh, And the other guy is what they say, greatly improved. He hasn't been back, but you know, and the other guy quit in the middle of it. And so I did that. And what happened is that we would, it grew to where there may be 10 guys, 15 guys coming to the, to my group on Friday mornings. Um, and then I would just take them line by line through the big book. And when we got up to the third step, most of them, most of them made it through there. And then we would kneel and do a third. And I always said this, John, this is interesting because I was going to, I wanted to be aware of the environment I was in. And I would say, look, th- if I'm with you on the streets or sponsoring you, I do a third step this way. I kneel, we hold hands and we read the prayer together. I said, but I'll give you guys the option. We could just read it together. We, we could stay in our seats or we can do whatever you guys feel comfortable. Uh, because there was a glass, people, other people, inmates could see in the room. I wanted to be just really no one, not any time. And I probably did over 50, maybe 75. I don't know how many research I did. Not one group ever said, let's do it a different way. They all said, we want to do it how it's done on the street regardless of what anybody says as they walk by this room and if you want to experience power of a group of men pulling all the chairs back and circling up and guys who would never interact with each other on the yard holding hands and reading a third step prayer uh, was was amazing wow i can tell you a uh... story well go ahead
1: Let me read this little break here real quick. We will be continuing our conversation with Brian P. in just a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to Sober Speak. You can find us on the World Wide Web at SoberSpeak.com. There you can find approximately eh, 190-ish other episodes you can listen to for free. You can also find the Donate button on our website, which you can use if and only if the Spirit moves you to do such Please keep in mind, this is a podcast funded by you, the listener. uh, Sober Speak is a self-supporting organization through our own contributions. We are not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. We do not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorse nor oppose any causes. All right, now back to Mr. Brian P. You said you were going to tell a story?
0: Yeah, I was just going to... So... And I'm sure you know this being sober as long as you have. Sometimes you do a third step with a sponsee or somebody, and you know, you, nobody feels anything you do it. And, uh, and every once in a while there'll be something I don't put a lot of weight in that. Like whatever's going to happen is going to happen. But one of the events that happened, that happened to be a group of 15 men. Uh, and there a lot of them were really hardcore guys from the yard who had a lot of status, uh, cause they started trickling in. Uh, and we did this third step. And uh, and I've had this probably three or four times, you know, the feeling of it, but I didn't have ever get a vision. And I'm I've always been a skeptical about telling a vision that happens because it kind of sounds, you know, off the wall. But I think it's important. Uh, and these guys were present when this happened. Um, so we now we did this prayer. And during the prayer, I had like this vision and it just came out of nowhere. And I don't get that. I, I, I It just happened. And there was so much energy in the room. And when we stood up, uh, somebody said, I don't know what we just did, but like there's something going on here. And I said, well, because I told them there may be nothing or there may be something. And um, I said, well, I just had a vision of what AA really is. And they said, I said, I'm almost afraid to tell you. It was quick. I mean, in my and he said, what was it? And so here's what happened. The vision I saw during that prayer was I'm, In this dark forest of alcoholism, right? And it's just lost, right? Can't get out of it. And a guy I met, happened to be Ken W., my sponsor, walks up and says, You want to get out of here? And I said, More than anything, he says, And follow me. And every time I go left, or every time I step over a rock, you just do exactly what I do. And then all of a sudden, the forest opened up and you could see the bluest sky and the green grass. And we both took a big, deep breath. And then he said to me, All right, let's go back in and get two more. And then we walked back into the darkness. And then we walked out as four and we took a breath. And then we walked in as four and pulled four more out. And then we were eight. That's the vision I got. Uh, And it just was so overpowering. And a lot of those guys call me, uh, (laughs) they'll call me the great white warrior because you know, I don't like Hunter. They'll say, Hey, great white Hunter. Cause hunting drunks in the forest. But the <laughs> idea was if you really look at AA and you really look at the growth, that's really what happens. And, uh, those guys started doing it inside. Like they would bring the guys from the yard into the group. They would tell them like, Oh, you need to go here and stop doing that. And, uh, but that was one of the only times in 15 years I had that experience like that. Um, uh, and Sometimes those guys we touch base. I'll still talk about it, like because it was powerful.
1: Wow! And you said it's a little bit more difficult in Texas for some reason. Uh,
0: Well, I I did go down into. I lived in Austin. I went into the federal prison there, uh, and you know they had guards in the room, and it was uh, it wasn't going to be able to do the work I did in Maine. Uh, It was way more there. It's hard when there's a guard in the room because they're not. They're not willing to get honest. And in Maine, when I started my group, they used to have them sign in to get credit. And when I did my step group, I asked the guy who was my liaison, who's a counselor. I said, I don't want a sign in. I want this being, they don't get any credit for this. They come because they want to come and they want to change. And he would just do whatever he would say. Absolutely. They took it away. And the guys who didn't want to come because they were just getting signed in left. And the guys who really wanted to change and we were able to do a three, we did three AA conferences in that prison, like three day conferences, like Friday. It's like a writer conference, like a roundup, like Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Wow. You know, and I'm talking, I'm calling guys, Internet. these guys, speakers, big shots around the country said, cash your miles in. They don't have any money, but we're going into the prison to carry a message. And we ate lunch in the chow hall with these guys. Uh, and we had 30 people going in and, s- 50 inmates. I mean a real like a roundup. Speaker right. panels, yeah. I
1: that's, love it. I don't know.
0: I don't know if you could do that in Texas. Maybe. But
1: All right, so I diverted you. Uh that's fine. Which I'm glad I did. Uh because that's uh that's an incredible story, Brian. It really is. Okay, so we'll go back to the third step here. So When you think about the third step prayer, right? um, Is there any piece of it that kind of stands out to you? Do you want to dissect it? What What are your thoughts? You obviously talked about the experiences you've had around that third step. What do you What do you want to talk about with that third step
0: prayer? Okay, let's go there. I was going to start before there, but now that you brought it up, let's look at this. So it's interesting because when you read the book, people think the third step is the prayer, but that's not the decision. That's just like putting a stamp on it. That's like closing the seal because the decision is before. It's on the next page where it talks about, you know, when it says next, we decided that hereafter. So that's the decision that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is our principal. We are his agents. He is the father and we are his children. And it says most good ideas are simple. And this concept was the keystone of the new trumpet arts. So that's the decision I'm making, right? I'm making a decision that God's going to be my father or he's going to be my director. For me, it was God is my father. I'm a child. Okay. That's the how I did it. Right. But the third step prayer is just kind of like, and I don't know the right word, but maybe it's a seal or a, I, 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 there's something word that's slipping my mind about it's like this is an agreement i'm doing right you know what i'm saying because when i look after the bottom of 62 where it says after, you know these lectures says we decided right and i notice when you look in the book around that like when it says god was going to be our director god is capitalized directors capitalize he and the r is not and it says he is the principle he and the principle are capitalized we is not capitalized so what they're saying is i'm not in charge of anything and i'm going to let god dictate that and then they give me the promises of what happens above the prayer right which i think are interesting and i think they're super important because it kind of draws into what's going to happen once i do that and then the prayer was more of a seal like okay this is a, an agreement or whatever right? A covenant-like. So, yeah, covenant, that's the word. Yeah, and
1: you know, even when you get like further in the book, like to the eighth and ninth step, it says something to the effect of, and I can't remember the exact wording, but hey, it says, hey, remember, in the beginning, we made an agreement here that right. we were going to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand him. So this is like the the beginning piece of the relationship.
0: Right. Then the first part of that third step direction is when you see that, because one thing that You'll notice in the big book there are no directions for the first sec- first two steps. Like there's no statement that says you're not the second step. The directions for the process of recovery starts at step three because then it's italicized, and then every step after is italicized, saying you are now step four. Uh, so when I look at the promises before, like if I'm going to make this decision, I do this because I I need to do it and I want to do it. Uh, the one thing that comes up around that is. And this is like the second promise. I just want to mention this before I go and break it down the prayer. It says, being all powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. And so what I used to say was the steps were the work. And then I got taught from a mentor. I said, no, the steps are the process that prepares me for the work because the real work is carrying this message to God's kids. Mm. And uh, so I stopped looking at the steps as, a, as work. I looked at it as a process. And then the work, it all prepares me to be basically what they talk about. You know, I'm an awakened spirit. I have tools. I have the ability, you know, I understand it. I, I understand who I am. I have, basically, I have all the experience to go and help somebody. Uh, and so, but I only get to do it if I keep close to him. Which then you'll see in 10 11. And so I, and I, point that because I always thought I'd grow spiritually in step 11, but the real spiritual growth is in step 12. Very like interesting. Step, because mm-hmm. step 11 keeps me in contact and, and opens up my six vital sense, my intuitiveness. But the power, and I, and, and I believe this to be true, and I think Bill knew it there is immense spiritual growth when I give my free time. There's nothing. i have just given freely, sitting on my patio, taking a gentleman through the steps. I mean, that I can never get my time back. And th- for me, I've experienced more spiritual growth from that. And the man said this. He said, uh, "I said I really want to know God." He said, "Yeah, you want to know God? Get to know his kids." Mm. And the more I've gotten to know God's kids, so when I'm sitting in the prison doing a fifth step. Or even doing a third step with a guy who society has thrown away. Nobody loves him. And it's just him and me, knee to knee and all the tattoos and all the muscles to block him. Right. When he opens up his heart, God is right there. And, and I'm telling you, when you, when you have a guy who's six foot two, six 3 240 with FTW, you know, carved in his forehead with a knife. Uh, when he falls into your arms, crying, you get to experience God. Uh, so I'll tell you what I what I like about this prayer, uh, and I'll read it. And I'll break it down how, on my experience. It says, uh, "God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt." So basically, what I learned from that is it's not my business wherever God wants me to go. You know, and when they talk about vital sixth sense you know, going in around step 11, when I talk about this vital six senses and intuitive, the whole goal is for me to open up the channel so I can hear God's whispers. And when I can pay attention to the whispers of God, because God has whispered some things that make no sense. Like you need to call so-and-so. And and when I do that and don't question it, but for me, I got to have that channel open, which, you know, we get in the fourth step, I'll tell you the story of Frank Buckman, the founder of the oxford group because that's how where all that steps come from but so basically i'm just gonna you know i'm let god do with me what you want and i ended up in texas because i ended up in maine i ended up in the prison none of these things i created they were just you know events that happened and i sat with it and then god said this is where you you need to be my son Uh, which is scary because i'm not then that scares us because we're control freaks we want to control where i'm going to be and what i'm going to do and to live by truly intuitive thought is a really challenging thing for uh, all okay. for everybody probably
1: okay so let's park it there just a little bit because as you know you start talking to people about living by intuitive thought and clearing the channel and then listening to god and going with the flow and stuff like that uh, The words are easy, but sometimes it's really tough to internalize and it's tough to, you know, look at how that manifests itself. Uh, So, can you talk to people, either give an example or or talk about how that manifests itself in your life?
0: Sure. That's actually a great question because I do speak of, I am glad you brought that up. So, I believe everybody's had some we call it conscience, you know, like when we're kids and we're doing something wrong and we feel a certain way that I should do that. That to me has become for me, um, an intuitive thought from the power that loves me. Right. And I don't debate that, but we've all have that. We all have something internally when we're about to do something like I shouldn't do that. Okay. And I'll give you some examples of living on the other end and paying attention to it. So there was a guy in Maine uh, and I, and I do believe in the whispers of God and I do believe that God's never yelled at me kind of like, Hey, I would challenge everybody. Like how many times a day you think of like calling somebody, someone's name pops up, right? Just somebody out of blue, but you don't call them or you don't reach out to them. It just goes by. And so I've been taught when that comes up, there's a reason. So I'll text him or call him. So this guy, Sean, uh, he, he, him and I were about the same level of sobriety and we were in that phase of spiritual warrior like who was better spiritually it was all nonsense but I loved him and uh we ran in different groups anyway he relapsed and when they told me I I reached out to him he never returned and for a year for a year anytime his name popped into my head uh doesn't matter what I'm doing cooking popcorn On the golf course, it didn't matter. If his name popped in my head, I would either call him or send him a text. And a lot of it was voicemail. And he never returned any of my texts or voicemails in a year. And I would say things that were crazy, like, hey, Sean, it's Brian again. It's about the 16th time I've tried to reach you. And I know you're probably deep in your addiction or your alcoholism. And you may be in a motel sex, six. I don't know what you're doing, but just let you know I love you. And if you ever need help, I'm here for you. I would leave different messages, whatever they were right for a year. And I probably left 30 to 40 messages one day, not to the year date, but like about a year, maybe 11 months or 13 months. I get a call from him and he calls me and I, he says, Hey, this is Sean. Uh, I didn't recognize the number. It was a detox. And I said, uh, Oh my God, how you doing? He says, I'm in really bad shape. I'm at the detox down in Portland, Maine. And, uh, I'm just wondering, as he was crying, like, I just wondering if you could come down and see me. And I was about a hundred miles away. And I said, I will be there in an hour and a half. And uh, when I got there, I asked him why he called me. I said, why'd you call me? Because there's Portland Maine's full of people, right? And he said, I called you because you're the only person that continually reached out to me for that year. A lot of people just stopped reaching out and you as annoying as it was, uh, you were the guy who reached out. Now, I don't take credit for that. I take credit for the person who told me that you must follow the intuitive thought. Uh, And I think in the 11th step in the directions, it talks a lot about that, you know, it talks about, you know, and when you read the history and you read anything on the bill and all those guys, a lot of that was intuitive thought, you know, And I believe everybody has access to it. It's hard to decipher, though, what's God's will and my will.
1: Right. So, and you know what I'm thinking about here is that you're going to have some people that have these like crazy boyfriends and crazy girlfriends. And then these obsessive (laughs) compulsive types of relationships. They're going to say, you know, Brian P said if somebody entered into my mind to give them a call. But there is a distinction. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I mean, I've had that. I've had guys, I had, you know, I, I had an intuitive thought or whatever, and I'm able now to like walk right through that. Like, no, that's not intuitive. That's your will wanting to do it. Uh, and, and yeah, even I, in the beginning, you know, if I, if, when I was newly sober, right. If I went to the coffee pot, I mean, I would sit down. There's a girl at the coffee pot. She's, I'm, you know, again, I'm 30 years old. I've been in prison for seven years. So I walk up to get coffee. She comes up and says hi to me. I go sit down and I'm thinking we're in love and she wants me. You know, it's like, oh, and it's it's God's will because I mean she liked coffee, I like coffee, she likes it a cup. You know, we just create whatever we want to create to get our will. So I'm not saying early sobriety, you're gonna be able to trust that, but when you go through the process, right, when you get to the other end, your spirit should be awakened. And then I mean it's easier able to and, and I still I used to run big decisions by three different people in my circle. I mean, I'll tell you one real quick. My now ex-wife, right, but my wife wanted to go to overseas for six months for uh, um, uh, schooling, internship. We we're married five years, so she's going to Europe for you know six months. Going to be not my life, and uh, my first instinct was fear, right? And so my second next day out of meditation was, why would you not support that? And so I went to my sponsor and I said, Hey, I'm struggling with this. I, I I think I need to support her, but I have this fear. He said, what's your fear? I said, well, she'll meet someone taller than me, younger than me, prettier than me, whatever. Right. And he said something like this. He said, she could meet that person at 7-Eleven down the street. Mm -hmm. And what would God be saying when you came out of meditation? It was like that support it and not live by the fear, you know, like, and I'll tell you, it was one of the best things that happened to her, you know? So. It's easy, and it's not It's not easy to decipher sometimes early sobriety, which I believe is sponsorship, friends, and not just sponsorship, people who I trust, you know? All
1: right, so I got you off of that third step prayer. The second line, in it says, uh, <laughs> I'm bringing it up right now in my head, and it says, uh, take away my difficulties, the victory of no,
0: No, no, re- no, oh, oh relieve oh. me of the bondage. Yes, relieve yeah, me
1: of the bondage of, of, of self, excuse me. So, when you think about that, relieve me of the bondage of self, what comes to mind there?
0: Well, it just says, so the full set, we truncated that, but it says, relieve me of the bondage of self, comma, that I may better do thy will. And so in the previous, you know, during the directions, there's I'm the problem, right? I'm self-centered, I'm selfish, I'm all worried about me. And so the the bondage of self is just me being consumed with me and what I can get out of the world. So there's no way for me to be able to do God's will when I'm only concerned about me and you know what I want to get, you know what I need, uh, so when I can set that aside, uh, and a lot of that comes through you know this willingness to not, you know because the bond itself is just me wrapped in me and I can't be of service to anybody. When I'm only thinking about me, it's very inconvenient to go into the prison system or any service work we're doing, right? to give your it's it's inconvenient i mean it's an inconvenient thing to sponsor a lot of guys to give up your free time i mean there's you know it just is but that's what we do the self would say i don't have time for that and so uh i do god's will when i just stop worrying about what i need and and, you know does that make sense yeah yeah
1: so take away my difficulties the victory over them May bear witness to those I would help with thy power and thy love and thy way of life. And by the way, if you're new to the Third Step Prayer and you're wondering where this is in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it is on page 63. You can look it up yourself. But what about that line, Brian?
0: Well, that's my favorite line. I mean, that's what we do. I mean, that's AA. I mean, that's why when you listen to all the great speakers you have on your uh, podcast, right? The stories, you know, and not everybody. And, I, and, and I'm probably overly, I probably overshare sometimes, but I've always believed that that when I, when I ask God to take away my difficulties, right, that Victor or them may bear witness, what we do in AA is bear witness to the people who are just coming in or people who are struggling currently, that these are the difficulties I have had and God has helped me get through them. And it's okay. I'll walk side by side. Okay. I'll walk with you. I think there's nothing more important than to share the difficulties we've, we've had and then to share how we got out of that. I think if all we do is talk about the great things that have happened to us, it's. It, I think it's first of all, inauthentic and I think it's ineffective. I mean, I don't want to sit when I'm homeless. When I was homeless and I have a car and the guy's talking about getting a Rolls Royce and living in a mansion, I don't want to hear that. Because I can't relate, but when he talks about being homeless and struggling and all the struggles, and then God has helped him become a better man or do better things, regardless of where it ended with, I can relate to that, and I I think that's that's what we do. I mean, we we're we're storytellers in AA. We tell stories, you know. We tell the stories because we've all had, you know. I mean, how many. When I look at that and I'm thinking, take away my difficulties. How many difficult spots do have we had in our life? You know, like right now, currently. My brother, one of my last, I I had to live two, basically I had had four of us children. I was the youngest of four and my mom and dad, my brother died of cancer when he was seven. I was five. My dad died in 2012. My mom died in 2014. My brother, who was four years ahead of me, died about 10 months ago on a, on a ventilator. And my oldest brother, who was 64, uh, we were talking after my brother's death. I said, he goes, well, it's just you and me left. And then three months later, he gets diagnosed with stage four glioblastoma. There's no cure. And uh, so these are difficult, right? And if I... You know, my prayer for God is let me know what you would want me to do, which is just support my brother and love my brother and guide him through this process and support his wife. But if that happens where he does die, let's say it happens. It's, I mean, it's probably because it's uncurable, but that's a difficulty and God get me through it. So next thing I know, two years later, a guy meets me who's somebody has the same issue. And if I don't have an experience to share with him about that and how I got through that, uh, I can't be of service, you know. Uh, because it, life happens. You ever know the phrase, life on life's terms? You ever hear that? Mm-hmm. I, I believe that's not a true. I don't believe in that phrase, right? I believe that life has no terms. I set the terms. I decide what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. Life just unfolds the way it unfolds. And I basically decide like, okay, this is acceptable. This is not acceptable. And as I started to like take that into like internally, I realized that, you know, if I have a problem with a certain issue, if I decide that's not acceptable, then I live in that pain. Uh, And it doesn't mean there's not grief and there's not pain, but life has no terms. Life just unfolds. I said it. And, uh, the more I approach life in that way, uh, the less a victim I am. And, uh, I become more open to being of service.
1: Just real quickly before we close it out, you had mentioned something on the beginning before we uh, actually fired up the mic that you wanted to talk about before we close today. I believe you received a message speaking of your prison work, a message from somebody that you had met in one of those prisons at some point. Am I right?
0: Yeah, let me tell you the story. I'll be quick, but it's uh, and I think it's a. Uh, uh, adds to the value of why you do what you do, John, right? Because without this, this would not have happened. So I met a guy, I sponsored a guy in the prison system quite a while ago, he was one of my groups, he was in my group, a lovely guy, lovely kid, he was much younger than me, but uh, I, he had a real experience in prison. And uh, and then I moved to Texas before he got out. He got out and was going to meetings, and but he, you know, he just didn't get connected. And he wouldn't call me, he just said I'll call you, but he wouldn't. And I'm in Texas and anyway, about a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago, uh somebody, some girl I don't know, sent a messenger on Facebook and said, Are you the Brian, you know, P who helped so and so, right? My friend Jake in prison. I said, Yeah, that's me and she said, He wants to get your number because he's back in the county jail I and mean, He would love to talk to you. I said, absolutely. gave him my number or gave her my number. And then he calls me and I'm talking to him and I love this kid. You know how it is, John, when you meet some kid, you sponsor them when they're younger than you, you just kind of like inside, you know, they're super, super kind and loving. And he had some tortures in his life. And uh, I said, what's going on? And he said, he told me basically what, you know, he got out. He was mad at God because God moved me to Texas, which I think is just ridiculous, but he was mad. And he, couldn't connect with anybody and he started going backwards and eventually, you know, he relapsed and, uh, and then something happened and he ended up back in jail, I'm potentially going to go back for a few years. On a, he was on parole. And I said, uh, and he said, I'm really, really mad at God. Cause I asked him, I gave him some direction to do some prayers. He said, dude, I, I really am mad at God. And I, and I said, okay. I said, well, let me ask you a question. Why, why did you reach out to me? He said, well, I was here a week and I was mad at everything, mad at the world and I I saw a big book on the table uh, and I picked it up and I started reading it. And I realized all the memories o- over the five years that I knew you, where you would come in every week uh, and work with us and all the guys I even sponsor. He said, I just realized that w- those were my happiest times. Uh, and I went back to my cell and asked God like, help me, help me. I need help. He goes three hours later, they give us access to these I- iPads so we could listen to uh sober podcasts. He said, I have never listened to one. I had no idea about them, but they told me there were 16 options on this podcast. He picked sober speak. He doesn't know why he just picked it randomly. And when it came up, I was the second name down on that list. Mm. And he goes, I just burst into tears because I I said, well, let me tell you, first off, I'm not on any other podcast except that one, and I've only done two talks, (laughs) and now you want to be mad at God, and yet the moment you asked for help, you got an iPad, you picked the most random podcast, and I was on there, which got you in motion to call me. And the wow. loving story on Friday, he gets out Monday and instead of going to prison for two years, he's going into a sober living uh, program in the town where he used to be with guys who I worked with in the prison system are now like their counselors and their, and their advocates for inmates. And that was not supposed to happen.
1: I got a little chills that must find from that one, Brian.
0: Well, I say uh, thank you for starting Sober Speak because that would have never happened.
1: Well, it's all of us together, my friend. I, I, I get it, but uh, oh, I'm glad uh, uh, God can make his little nods sometimes and, you know, uh, create the right circumstances, and he allows bozos like me and you to play a small part in this little game he's got going up there, and I'm just uh, thankful for that.
0: Well, I just say me, if, you don't, if you don't invite if you didn't invite me you know so there's like so many things that you're responsible for John that you don't even know and I know yeah, God but, drives you Yeah,
1: I, I, I appreciate that uh, but here's what you don't know is that the way that I found you is that I met somebody named Jenny who's on the podcast who you know uh, who had invited you to Citywide and she said hey you ought to go listen to this guy have a tape and I was able to actually go listen to that and then Who knows who turned you on to her? It's just one big tapestry that God weaves.
0: That is right, my friend.
1: All right, let me go ahead and read page 164 from the big book. It says, Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to Him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us, like me and Brian P., As you trudge the road of happy destiny, may God bless you and keep you until then. Once again, Brian P., thank you for coming in here and sharing. And we're going to get you back on for more steps at a later time. Okay.
0: Yeah. Thank you for the invitation. It was an honor.
1: God bless you, my friend. Thank you, Brian P. Once again, we will look forward to having you back on the pod. At some other point in the near future, so you can share about the rest of the steps and the rest of your experience, strength, and hope. Always enjoy spending time with you, and I know the listeners love it as well. If that had a positive impact on you, would you please pause your device, hit that little share button, and share it with a family, share the episode or the uh, podcast as a whole with a family or friend? member, family member or friend is what I was trying to say. A family member or friend, it may be just what they need today. Now, on to a little bit of a listener feedback. Barry B. writes in, and Barry B. says, hear ye, hear ye. Darn and diddly John, I love the new intro, big (laughs) Big smiley face. And then he says, it reminded me of the Simpsons episode. And he sent me a video link to the Simpsons when they were, I don't know, is when Homer started saying, hear ye, hear ye. I was not aware that the Simpsons use that as well. It was a great, it was a great little clip. Thank you for sending that, uh, Barry. And then he says, What a contribution! (laughs) He's got like five exclamation points. Greetings from across the pond, my dear friend. Mr. Barry lives in London town. And then he's got a big peace sign. He says, P.S. John when something makes you really laugh when recording maybe like this it makes me really laugh as well I thought I'd share that oh that's nice keep smiling laughing and spreading the good word lock down Barry from across the pond six exclamation points or eight exclamation points I don't know how many it is it's a bunch of them and I guess that they are still down they are still on lockdown over there you know I'm from <laughs> i'm from texas and i, I swear now it, i don't would say it, it's like it never happened i mean you still see masks and stuff like that but there there are a lot of people here who are uh, just kind of living life uh, on the norm so to speak but uh, anyway thank you so much for writing in barry i appreciate it Caitlin writes in oh and Caitlin I actually well I I know all these people but Caitlin I know from actually the Frisco group where I attend meetings Uh, such a lovely lovely lady anyway Caitlin says good morning I hope you had a wonderful Father's Day this is from quite some time back you can tell I'm just catching up she says I just wanted to let you know the contribution the, the, the contribution I made yesterday was in honor of my my dad for Father's Day. You met him way back before my daughter was born. I do remember that, Caitlin, I do. She says, I love that him and I have sobriety and Alcoholics Anonymous in common. It is a special thing to share. It is, Caitlin, and I can tell you that I know that there are a lot of people out there a lot of women and men who wish they had that to share with either their mother or their father, and it never occurs. So I'm glad you cherish it so much. She says, I've been listening to Sober Speak daily, especially at night when I wake up with the baby and I have a hard time falling back asleep. <laughs> Sometimes I just need to hear another alcoholic tell me everything is going to be okay. Thank you for all that you and your family do. I hope you have a wonderful week. Sincerely, Caitlin. And the P.S., she says, "Shannon did an amazing job with the website. It looks fantastic. And I think you are correct, Caitlin. And if you haven't seen Sober Speak lately, you just want to go visit it. Just see what the lovely Mrs. M put together. I appreciate it. It's always cool when you live with somebody who is actually a web designer. I mean, that makes it kind of easy, right? And so uh I really appreciate all the work that she puts into it. Uh, I see how she toils over the thing, and I'm just uh, very appreciative of the Mrs. M and of you, Caitlin. And if your dad is listening out there, God bless you. God bless your entire family. Rain, or is it rainy? I don't know, R-A-N-A, R-A-N r-a-i-n-e how would you pronounce that i guess it's rain i don't know but anyway she p- posts on social media on our podbean uh p- uh app actually she says john thank you and mrs m for the cool way- layout on the website well thank you very much right once again here's the website talk thank you matthew m You sure do shine the light on my alcoholic behavior. I need to do more help with others. I'm so grateful for this podcast. God bless you. And thank you, Rain. I appreciate, I appreciate so much you uh, posting that on the social media. Brock writes in and he and thank you for complimenting Mrs. M there on the website. I I appreciate it. Like I said, I'm just, she does it all. Yeah, for for nothing, you know, for free. And so I'm I'm just so appreciative she does that. Nonetheless, let me go on here. Brock writes in. He says, hey, John, I'm so glad that you've presented yourself so well and forthcoming. I live in Fort Collins, Colorado. My recovery has been, by the way, is it Colorado or is it Colorado or is it, what? how, I, I hear people pronounce it different ways. But anyway, he says, my recovery has been rough going and I'm trying to find the right path. I've discovered many, many that I meet in AA are more negative than anything, and my counselors to be wildly ineffective. I found sober speak through my father, who also is another person following the sober's path. Your soothing voice and a reasonable message is always going to keep me on the right path, Brock. Well, thank you, Brock. It sounds like you're on the right path, and I'm glad that you are doing such. And I hope you have a better experience when you go to those AA meetings. That has not been my experience, but I get that people experience things in a different way. Marie writes in, and the subject line was Jennifer H. K and Jennifer HK, if you don't know, is one of the guests that we have had on our podcast. She says, Hi, John, I was listening to part two of the Jennifer HK today, which I thoroughly enjoyed. She is a great storyteller. She makes me laugh with her tales of her home bar. <laughs> Oh, yes, she does. She makes me laugh too, Uh, Marie. She says, I stuck around to hear the listeners' feedback that was tickled to hear, oh, and I was tickled to hear that you read not one, but two things from me. Oh, well, how about that? Uh, and then she has a big smiley face. I didn't even realize that until I started into this. You know, I really should read these in detail before I get on the pod. So. <laughs> Who knows that I'm going to put on here, right? She says, before that, I heard the voicemail from Margie Oh, yes, I remember this. who says she didn't care for your comments before and during the speaker's time that you the fact that you didn't get offended or take it personally is commendable. Well, you know people do and what what uh, Marie is talking about here is that. I put a voicemail on that was left for me. Uh, this was I don't. Three four weeks ago, something like that, uh, and uh, the 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 voicemail was somebody who who didn't care for <laughs> my personality, basically, and just my comments uh, during and before the speaker's time. She says, honestly, John, I love hearing you speak and your sometimes silliness. You always sound joyful and happy and newcomers need to hear that. One of the first things about AA that pleasantly surprised me was how happy people were and the genuine laughter, laughter that erupted frequently during meetings. Like it says in the big book, we are not a glum lot. If there was no joy in recovery, why would we do it? Keep doing your thing, John, for every one person that you may be annoying. There are 10 people who love your enthusiasm and exuberance. Thank you so much for your service. You're doing a wonderful job. Big smiley face, peace and love, Marie L. Marie L, you made my day. That's so sweet. I really appreciate it. And, you know, going back to that listener... I mean, you can't please all the people all the time, and and I just kind of have to continue to be myself, and uh, and I get that. But uh, God bless you. Thank you so much for writing in, Marie, with your sweet comments. Holly writes in, and she says, Hi, John and team. And by the way, I guess the team would be me. I'm part of the team. And then we would have my wife, Shannon. She part of the team, as you've heard me talking about several teams already. We'd have Cassandra, who does all the posts on Instagram. And then we have Bridget. And Bridget, I don't talk about her as much like She does all the various summaries for the various uh, speakers that we have. And then we're able to put those in the the show notes. And uh, she does a fantastic job. And I guess... Now that I'm speaking about it, the team could be uh, Rebecca who wrote in the blog post that I have on the website and anybody else who sends in a blog post. It is a we Effort, everybody, and you can't see me, but I got my arms out real big and wide right now, and they're just, I don't know, I'm being very, uh, uh, talking with my hands, like, uh, nonetheless, I, the, with my hands out far and wide, I am telling you that it is a WE program, and this is a WE podcast, So we all put this together, and so anyway, I just, I went a little too far with that one. I just went a little too far. I'm getting back to Holly now. Hi, John and team. I live in Surfside Beach, South Carolina. She says it's just south of Myrtle Beach. Recently sober and beyond, completely lost, mentally overwhelmed, trying to process all these sober emotions alone. Man, do I understand that so much, Holly. She says, I stumbled, so to speak, upon your podcast. (laughs) Hey, that's funny. I get it. I get the little uh, double entendre there. Is that what you call that? Upon your podcast in utter desperation to feel some sort of normalcy. Your works have since inspired joining our local AA community and family here. Good for you, Holly. I cannot believe I struggled for this many years without help i want to thank you for everything you do and your team does it may seem like a thankless job but there are so many of us out there who wouldn't be alive without you forever grateful holly m oh golly holly um i just have to kind of take a moment for that to soak in um you guys are wonderful. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Thank you, Holly M. And I'm glad that you found a local meeting. And, you know, as I've, I've said many times, okay. but those of you who are new listening to this podcast, hear me out. If you have the choice between listening to my silly little podcast and actually going to a meeting, please go to a meeting. I'm not, this is not a substitute, you know, it's a meeting between meetings. And I realize that there are some of you in situations where you cannot get to meetings. And this truly is a substitute and I'm happy to provide that. But if you have the chance between going to a meeting Or listening to my podcast, I would, oh, I beg of you to go to a meeting and get involved locally with your folks there wherever you are. And if you have the choice between contributing uh, financially to my podcast or actually going to an actual meeting and giving money there or giving money to Alcoholics Anonymous or doing or whatever recovery group that you're in, please give there. That's the right thing to do because those are the people who have the boots on the ground. Holly M and Surfside Beach. South Carolina. Thank you for writing that. It just simply is, uh, you're incredible and all you folks who write in are incredible. Jared writes in and Jared says, hi, John. Well, hello, Jared. He says, I recently found your podcast and it's been a lifeline. You have some amazing shares. I was on a four hour drive recently to Cornwall from my home in London oh you're right out there were barriers uh, and the journey flew by with back-to-back episodes I bet you were driving on the wrong side of the road out there Jared nonetheless he says I especially got so much from Matthew M and love the girl from Berlin oh he's talking about Julia K I've been a recovery for just short of five years. And my journey has been a bumpy ride with cycles of abstinence and relapse. I found a sponsor last year who has taken me through the steps, the Joe and Charlie Big Book Way. You know what, Jared? That's one of the first ways that I learned how to go through the Big Book, too. And I just love Joe and Charlie. He says, I'm so blessed to have him as my sponsor and that I have finally felt the program working for me and I started to finally connect to God. I was just telling my sponsor this morning I was feeling disconnected the last few days, even with doing daily Zoom meetings. I am learning instead of staying in that place to do something differently. So I listened to Matthew M. on Surrender 1, 2, and 3, and I felt that connection again. What a miracle. Oh, that's great. I love your positivity and humor, and thank you for your help on my journey. Kindest regards, Jared B., sent from my iPhone. (laughs) I probably didn't have to include the sent from my iPhone. But if you know a Jared B. in Great Britain that has an iPhone, you... Know the person that I'm talking about right now. I doubt there's hardly any other Jared B's out there. But nonetheless, thank you, Jared B. God bless you, your sponsor, and your journey. Amy writes in, she says, Hi, John M. I found you last night when I couldn't fall asleep in the sweltering heat wave we are experiencing here in Bend. Oregon, 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 I've been through this before, somebody wrote me in and said it's definitely Oregon, even though it says Oregon. Um. Anyway, Amy says usually I listen to ambient noise, rainfall, beach waves, but my mind wouldn't shut down, so I pulled my podcast out and searched Alcoholics Anonymous, and I found you. I listened to episode number one ninety two. I think Lisa just get in the car. Oh no, that's uh, that's Jenny L. She said, "I swear she was telling my story. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. I live in Bend." Oregon. My sobriety date is 5-3-2007. I have a sponsor. I am a sponsor, and I am of service when needed. I got sober in Riverside, California, and I came to Bend a year after, and I haven't looked back. Well, thank you out there in Bend, Oregon, for writing in, Amy. I hope that heat wave is uh, letting up a little on Ewan's Ashley writes in, and Ashley says, Hi, John, my name is Ashley D., and I live in Austin, Texas. Oh, I love Austin. I lived out there for four or five years. It's a big place where I, quote, worked on my story. I guess that's how you put it. Anyway, she says, my sobriety date is three four 2012 march 4th of 2012 and i got sober in orange county california i was 27 a party girl when i got sober i thought my social life was over oh i can relate to that ashley little did i know that that was the beginning of uh i was that was beginning of a party life One that was filled with so much more fun Than I had when I was drinking And using through it all I found young people in AA And my social, cal- my social calendar was non We would go to conventions on the weekends And dance parties all weekend long Man, I can relate to that She says, I met my husband in sobriety A fellow recovering alcoholic We have two incredible children Thanks to the rooms of alcohol. So, Ashley, it sounds like you heard them say if you want what we have and are willing to get it, then you can go to any lengths to get it, and you got a husband. Ha! Just kidding. Anyway, she says, two years ago, we moved to Lakeway, and it was a big change for us. Thankfully, there are some great meetings, and we have found lots of sober families with young kids. We are on vacation, and I am out of routine, and I'm surrounded by alcohol and drugs, and I just needed to reconnect, so I searched Alcoholics Anonymous via Spotify and clicked the first thing that popped up, your podcast was well, Spotify. Spotify is they have their algorithms. Algorithms calculated are correct if I'm popping up first. But anyway, she says it was just what I needed to connect me, and I find it such a good shot as it was the episode with Eris, Harris, Harris, excuse me, not Eris, Harris, Harris, who I know Harris, right. We have a couple episodes with him, who is also in Austin. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. Last But not least, you guys have so much feedback and I just love it. Rob writes in and he says, Hi John, I've been listening to Sober Speak for about a year now and I really enjoy it. At 19, I ended up in drug and alcohol treatment. I had been flunking out of college and everything was falling apart. I didn't see a way out because I believe it was just the way I was. I went to treatment because I believed that with some counseling and some confessions, I could return to normal drinking and pot smoking. It never occurred to me that I never used normally, not the first time, not ever. Luckily, I stayed with it and I listened and I started doing it all. The weird stuff they were telling me to do, like admitting I was wrong, praying, hugging people, listening, going to meetings, and not using. There was no an- <laughs> There was no end to the weird stuff they wanted me to do. But by the grace of God, I did it without having to understand it. That's right, Rob. AA has always worked for me from the first meeting to the last one to the one I just finished online. Today, I've been sober over 38 years. God bless you, Rob. I live in Minnesota, and I have a wonderful family, and I'm a software engineer which is work that I really like and I enjoy traveling and a hundred other hobbies including stained glass, woodworking, electronics repair, and gardening. I also have been... Uh, I. Oh, I have also been an elected school board member for 17 years, driven by gratitude for all the people that intervened to help straighten me out and keep me on the right path. Thank you, John, for bringing so much of the stories of AA to me. I especially like the ones where the person sobered up when they were young. It helps me to remember those early days of sobriety when I felt like I was reborn. Oh, what an excellent piece of writing there, Rob, Are I appreciate that. And as you know, uh, for the people who are interested in, in, uh, sorry, folks, I've done a lot of reporting in my mind, reporting, recording, and my mind is starting to wonder here. But for those of you who are interested in listening to one where uh, somebody ended up getting sober at a young age... That would be KCW. Uh, and if you just search up KC, C-A-S-E-Y, W, and Sober Speak, I'm sure you can find it or just go to our website and look for it on there. But he also got sober s 17 and um, nonetheless. All right. That, folks, is a wrap. Thank you so much for listening in. Thank you so much for all the feedback. Thank you so much for being here with me and listening to my silly little podcast. I really do appreciate it. I take this one week at a time. I'm hoping to be back next week. God bless you. Um, Keep coming back. It works if you work it. And we'll see you next week, hopefully. Adios.